forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time. Writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning or winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hi, I'm David Pepos. You might remember me from my comic book commentary on Spencer and Locke number one. I'm here to give my writers commentary and some behind the scenes looks at my new series, Going to the Chapel, uh, from Action Lab Danger Zone, which will be in stores everywhere Wednesday, September 4th. Going to the Chapel was inspired by my disastrous turn as best man at my oldest friend's wedding. Uh, Everything that I had planned, uh, particularly with the bachelor party, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, The Airbnb was trashed. I had rented inflatable sumo suits, not knowing that the backyard was at a 45 degree angle. Some groomsmen bailed at the last second because they didn't want to pay for their uh, for their share of the bachelor party. And I actually wound up uh, going to the hospital with a kidney stone 48 hours before the party started. So I missed the entire thing. Uh, so I thought to myself, boy, at least that didn't happen during the wedding. And then I thought to myself, but what if it did? And thus, going to the chapel was born. Uh, Going to the chapel is the story of Emily Anderson, a wealthy bride with a serious case of cold feet. But before she can say anything, her wedding is hijacked by a group of bank robbers known as the Bad Elvis Gang. And uh, as you're going to see chaos ensues. So we'll start uh, just by giving a shout out to our cover artists. Uh, I want to thank Lisa Sturl from Submerged and Long Lost for doing our A cover. Uh, Mon House, my variant cover artist from Spencer and Locke for joining us for our B covers. And series artist Gavin Guigi for providing our C covers. So I will begin with our opening pages. Uh, As you'll see here, we have a montage that is uh, flipping through using uh, the lyrics to the song Chapel of Love. This was an interesting choice uh, based on my work on Spencer and Locke. That was a detective noir story where I focused a lot on narrative captions and uh, getting inside the characters' heads. It also can be a little bit of a crutch for a writer. So uh, for going to the chapel, I wanted to make sure we had no internal captions. We wanted to keep the readers guessing just as much as uh, the characters around them. I, in particular, wanted to start off our story using as little dialogue as possible. By using such an iconic uh, song like Chapel of Love, we're able to sort of build up tension and mood by introducing Emily, who is sort of uh, heading into her wedding in a way that I described in this in the original script is almost funereal. Uh, and also seeing that she's being watched uh, by a bank robber with a set of binoculars. His name is Tom, and he's the leader of the Bad Elvis Gang. And as you'll see, as Emily's walking down the aisle, these Elvises, uh, they have some uh, rubber masks in the trunk of their car, some duffel bags, and more most ominously, uh, a quartet of shotguns. This was sort of our, our, our nod to old school Quentin Tarantino and our way just to give the Bad Elvis gang as uh, exciting and dramatic an entry as possible. Uh, as you can see here, uh, you'll get to know these four bank robbers pretty well by the time the series is over. But you'll meet uh, 
Tom, who is uh, also known as King, uh, his second in command, uh, Vegas, uh, who is our fat Elvis, uh, Motown, our African American Elvis to his left, and then Romero, our zombie Elvis to the right. Uh, and it all culminates in a double page, all black and white splash, uh, introducing our title as well as our creative team. And I want to introduce those to you all right now, uh, written by me, David Pepos, uh, the art by Gavin Guidry, uh, from the death defying and the night driver. This is Gavin's direct market debut and, uh, get ready to know his name because he is going to blow up in a major way. Uh, think of his art style, like, uh, in the Venn diagram of Jamie McKelvey and Evan Doc Shanner. And you've got a sense of the kind of chops that uh, Gavin is working with. I found Gavin uh, after he had finished his work on The Night Driver uh, on Comixology, which you can still buy uh, right now. And I was so impressed with the way that Gavin had uh, was able to shift between this very stylish, stylized action, as you can see for our, from our opening pages for Chapel, uh, to this very expressive comedy. Uh, and I, as you'll see for our series, we get to juggle uh, a lot of that uh, 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 sort of that uh, dichotomy. Uh, we're also joined by colorist Elizabeth Kramer. Uh, this is uh, also her direct market debut. And Liz is going to be the next superstar color. She'll be, she's going to be the next Laura Martin. If you think sort of these desert hues that we did uh, for our few, first few pages were incredible, uh, you're in for a treat for the rest of our series. Liz uh, is, uh, yeah, she really adds so much to our series. And it's just a very sort of textural, granular feel to all these uh, golds and oranges and purples and pinks. And I think that she makes going to the chapel look like a book, unlike anything else we've seen in the direct market. Uh, we're rounded out by letterer Ariana Mayer, um, who uh, you might remember from work on Nancy Drew, uh, The Six Million Dollar Man over at Dynamite, and her upcoming work, James Bond. So we are now uh, jumping to uh, four hours ago, and that's our uh, first little nod to sort of that Quentin Tarantino style of jumping back and forth in time. And we're going to meet our uh, our title character, our heroine, Emily Anderson. And her first line is pretty auspicious. Oh, God, I'm about to ruin my life. Uh as you might guess, uh, going to the chapel, it's a, a heist at a wedding turned into a full-blown hostage situation. And as, uh, you know, if you've read our, our title, our, our, uh, our front cover, love is the ultimate hostage situation. And we're going to find out that uh, sometimes hell is other people. And in this case, hell is Emily's extended family. Uh, we've uh, meeting her uh, maid of honor and sister, Lucy. We're also meeting her father, Arthur, and her mother, Francine. And uh, very quickly, you can see we are uh, explaining these characters. Uh, we have a lot of characters to juggle, so we're really trying to uh, squeeze as much personality out of them with every line and every panel as possible. Uh, you can see that uh, that Arthur is already berating someone over the phone, while uh, Emily's mother, Francine, is already checking out a server's butt. Uh, as she says, looking isn't a crime, but if it is, throw me under the jail. Uh so as we uh, move on, you know, we, we get to meet, uh, you know, some of Emily's bridesmaids. We're introducing uh, the terrible wedding hashtag, uh, hashtag more Emily, more problems. And now we get to meet uh, one of my favorite supporting characters of the book, uh, Grandma Harriet, who her advice for the wedding is monogamy is overrated. Always have a side piece ready. That's what I learned back in Nam. Uh, 
uh, Grandma Harriet is actually uh, inspired by my Grandma Helen, um, who uh, didn't live to see this book be made. Uh, but uh, Grandma Helen was certainly a, a drill sergeant in a way. And I feel like if she uh, had to deal with uh, bank robbers at a wedding, she would probably respond in a similar fashion to Grandma Harriet. Uh, but as you can see, Grandma Harriet, she really does not care about anything. She has gotten to that age where she is more than content by giving a small child a lighter and has no problem seeing what she might burn down. But uh, on to our next page, uh, we finally get sort of an inkling of Jesse, Emily's Mr. Right, or maybe Mr. Wrong. Uh, Jesse, uh, you know, I batted around a lot of different names for that character. And uh, on my soundtrack uh, for this series, uh, the song Jesse's Girl was, of course, one of the songs that I thought about. And it felt it felt right, um, especially for a character like this. As we'll get to meet Jesse, you know, he's kind of a nerdy, awkward guy. But as the series progresses, we're going to see him step up in a really interesting way. But Emily, you know, as you can see, we're sort of zooming in on her central conflict here. He's more than just a good guy. He's Mr. Right. So why can't I stop thinking, is he the Mr. Right for me? I feel like... Uh, Pop culture treats love and romance in kind of a reductive way. They treat it as a destination rather than a journey, rather than sort of an ongoing, evolving process that sometimes has uh, its, its fair share of detours and swerves. Uh, but the idea of every time that you have a big moment in your life, a big milestone, a big uh, moment for change, there is oftentimes a lot of fear for that. Um, sometimes that's fear of commitment. Sometimes that's just fear of rocking the boat. Sometimes it means that you have something unaddressed in your past that you have to look into. Uh, these are all sorts of the themes that I wanted to explore in going to the chapel. Um, and Emily is kind of our focal point here. As you see, she's scared out of her mind and the desperate measures she's going to take uh, as the series progresses is going to sort of drive our uh, dysfunctional hostage situation further. Uh, but next, we're going to cut to Jesse himself. Uh, as we see, we're hanging out with Jesse and his uh, bachelor party. Um, uh, we're seeing his best man, uh, 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 BJ, and uh, he has gotten the priest uh, pretty hammered, uh, Father Patrick, um, as we see, that is uh, Father Patrick's natural state. But Jesse, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's not a bad guy. Um, he, uh, as you can see, um, you know, he's a very sweet guy. He's clearly very excited to get married. Um, even uh, when his best man, BJ, seems like kind of a D-bag, and that was by design. Um you know, Jesse, uh, he's just sort of, he, he's, he's planning for the future. Um, he's, he's working on sort of his, he's an architect and he's working on his, what he's calling his Sistine Chapel. And um, as you can see, having a, an architect in a hostage situation with a historical building, that might pay off in the long run later. But as we see, uh, you know, we have a news bulletin going on at the bar where Jesse and BJ and everyone are hanging out at. And uh, that's where we start introducing the heart of Dresden. Uh, and for eagle-eyed viewers of our first page, uh, that is the uh, ne the necklace that Emily was wearing as she was walking down the aisle. And as we discover, it's a 423-carat sapphire necklace valued at over $250 million on loan from Paris. Um, as you might guess, that feels like a, a ripe target for a, a group of bank robbers such as the Bad Elvis Gang. And lo and behold, they are actually at 
the same bar as Jesse. As Tom says, keeping something that beautiful locked up, well, it's downright criminal, don't you think? And I thought this was kind of a fun way to show uh, two romantic rivals uh, getting to meet, uh, you know, sort of on neutral territory before things blow up. I had actually written two different scenes with uh, Jesse and Tom separately uh, in the initial draft of the series. And it didn't feel right. Um, it felt like we were focusing a little too heavy on the action with uh, with Tom running from a bank robbery when we had already built up the Bad Elvis gang sufficiently with our opening pages. And then meanwhile, uh, the scene introducing Jesse, it felt like it was lacking a certain sort of tension. And so I realized by putting the two of them together, sort of having this misconnection between the two of them, um, it was kind of a fun way to keep setting up, um, you know, what will eventually be uh, kind of a rivalry between the two of them. Um, and, you know, it's kind of fun to see sort of these bank robbers uh, in more incognito mode, um, getting to see that they have a secret that nobody else knows. As we see, we cut to a flashback of them looking at the blueprints for the chapel itself. Uh, they need to know every angle of this uh, of this heist before it begins. And, uh, you know, we'll see kind of what good that's going to do for them. But, uh, you know, Tom, uh, while Jesse is the guy who is so uh, idealistic about love and marriage, Tom is a guy who seems a little bit more world wary. He says, just be careful out there. I almost took the plunge once a long time ago. But in this day and age, not even diamonds are forever anymore. Uh, and, you know, we'll see. So much of this story is about romantic pasts and being able to f uh, face them. And I, while I recognize that romantic comedies, uh, you know, sometimes they're, they're treated like a bad word, uh, not just in the direct market, but in pop culture as a whole. And I think um, it's it's a shame because there are a lot of stories that uh, I think are really iconic that deal with romance. You think of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You think of 500 Days of Summer. You think of About Time. You think of Chasing Amy. Um, I think romance is a great way to establish stakes in a way that isn't just about what is the next world, you know, world-shaking conflict or what What's the way that you can sort of beat up your enemy? It's a different form of, uh, of a, a different story hook to hinge the rest of your story on. And, um, and I think more importantly, I think it's so relatable. I think everyone, everyone's been in love. Everyone's been in relationships. And uh, sometimes those relationships go great. And some of them go really, really poorly. And sometimes those you know, horrible relationships uh, shape you just as much as the good ones. Um, and so seeing Tom have this more world-weary approach um, to Jesse's idealism, uh, it's a nice counterpoint that I think informs the rest of our series. As Tom says, just... Just remember the golden rule of success as he stares at the newscast with uh, an image of Emily and the uh, and the heart of Dresden. Never take your eyes off the score. So we cut to um, the wedding itself, and we've kind of caught readers up to where we started with the rest of the series. Um, you know, we get to see kind of this wedding is it's going, but it's not exactly going great. Uh, you know, uh, Arthur and Francine are bickering in the background. BJ is trying to, uh, hit on, uh, uh Emily's maid of honor, uh, Lucy and grandma Harriet already. She's just like, meh. Um, 
But as we see, we're sort of getting to that big iconic moment. Uh, you know, Jesse is ready for this. He is looking as sure, sure as sure can be. I do. He is ready to commit. But Emily, you see, you know, there's so much that can be said with just a bit of ellipses. Uh, as she's being asked the question, do you take Jesse to be your lawfully wedded husband? She goes, I, and then we turn the page and she's about to say, I can't. That's when we meet the bad Elvis gang um, who have officially turned this wedding into a robbery. And Emily's reaction uh, might be one of my favorite moments of the first issue where uh, everyone's hitting the deck, including Father Patrick jumping behind the, uh, the, the altar. She says, oh, thank God. Um, so uh, here we get to, you know, we get to meet the 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 bad Elvis gang in person and we get to see their names you know we're meeting Vegas uh, who's been being told to watch the doors Motown who's in charge of taking everyone's jewelry watches wallets and phones and Romero who's kind of the enforcer of the group Um, he's wearing a zombie Elvis mask and he's getting in uh, Arthur's face and uh, you know when he, you know, he's sort of the wild card of the bad Elvis gang in a lot of ways. It's very unclear which way he's gonna he's gonna fall. And uh, we have one of my favorite lines uh, in the in the book, uh, where Tom is facing down Emily and he says, "I have business with the blushing bride. Look at you, gorgeous, all dialed up like a fairy tale. But who needs a prince charming when you could have the king?" Um, and, you know, the reason why I picked Elvis's as uh, sort of our uh, our bad guys for this book is, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of the movie Point Break. Uh, the, the Dead Presidents, I think, are such an iconic group of, of, of villains for the book. And so uh, I was thinking about wedding imagery, and I thought about that a lot for this series. Uh, you know, it is called Going to the Chapel, and it is set almost exclusively in a chapel. And I thought to myself, well, what would the shtick be for a group of bank robbers in a story like this? And it got me thinking about Las Vegas and the quickie weddings and the Elvis impersonators that sometimes show up to these uh, to these uh, shotgun weddings. And uh, when I thought of the bad Elvis gang, it really crystallized so much of the story for me, um, in part because it fits the tone of going to the chapel so well. It's you know very it's stylish and irreverent and fun with just a hint of being a badass. And that's something that I think the bad Elvis gang really lives up to in spades. But as we see uh, in the next page, uh, you know, this is the first time we see Jesse step up and, you know, to his credit, he does it immediately. Um, You know, he's the guy who immediately tackles Tom when he's getting in Emily's face. And I, I wanted to make it very clear, you know, this is a book that it doesn't really have villains in a way. It just has people on opposite sides of, uh, of what they want. Um, as, as we'll see, uh, you know, the bad Elvis gang, they're not particularly black and white, but I didn't want to portray Jesse as sort of this, you know, overbearing bad guy. I think that's part of the reason why, uh, people kind of turn their noses up at rom-coms is oftentimes it's they're very predictable. You kind of know which person that you know, who, who, which couple's going to wind up together just from the movie posters. And I wanted to keep everyone guessing. And so, uh, you know, presenting uh, you know Jesse as as a viable romantic candidate, um, and you know, it's just you know, it's a matter of timing and emotional readiness for Emily that you know he's not a bad guy, and it's something that I always wanted to play up in this story. 
Uh, but as we see, Tom and Jesse's rivalry is certainly heating up here. Um, and Emily finds herself sort of uh, jumping in between them. Uh, and that's when we have our nice big twist uh, for the story, which is uh, the heart of Dresden's gone missing. And uh, this is sort of, I thought to myself, um, I wanted to have going to the chapel uh, not be just a, an in and out kind of story. Um, you know, robberies can happen very quickly. And I wanted to give the bad Elvis gang some reasons to stick around and uh, if losing their $250 million payday certainly felt like a way for them to stick around for a bit. As we turn the page though, um, you know, it's so easy to have stories being told in a vacuum where you have a, a couple of characters and the world reacts around them. Um, this was very similar to my first book, Spencer and Locke, and our uh, recent sequel, Spencer and Locke 2. Is, it was a very intimate cast. Um, and, you know, we focused so much on the lead characters. I wanted for my next book to sort of flex some different muscles. I wanted to make it almost a team book, per se. And uh, so in this case, uh, we're not just seeing things happening to uh, Emily, Jesse, and Tom. We're kind of seeing the ripple effects sort of going through the rest of Emily's family. So in this case, we get to see Grandma Harriet and never underestimate the grandma. That's something uh, my grandma Helen always used to tell me. And we get to see that uh, the bad Elvis gang, they're not as smart as they think they are. And grandma Helen is, doesn't, doesn't miss a trick. And as you can see, she, uh, she hits her life alert bracelet. And suddenly the Rockford County police department gets a phone call. And here's where we meet. If there's anyone that might be considered a, an antagonist in this series, we're about to meet him now. Um, his name is, uh, Sheriff Walter Reagan. And, uh, you know, he is a good old fashioned, you know, Texas Southern boy. Um, he's probably a little hardcore, uh, for, to be the sheriff of a place like Rockford County, but he would probably tell you that maybe there's no crime in Rockford County because of him. Uh, I based, uh, Walt on, uh, Jeff Bridges character on, uh, Hell or High Water, which was a book that uh, Gavin and I talked a lot about in terms of inspirations for this series. Uh, some of the other visual, uh, inspirations inspirations and influences that Gavin and I talked about uh, included Breaking Bad, particularly with its southwestern Albuquerque setting, uh, as well as sort of the unique and fun visual rhythm of uh, a, a movie like Baby Driver. Uh, but as you can see, just based on even the, uh, the newspaper report, uh, Walt's a smart guy and he's able to put things together very quickly. Um, you can see just on one side of the uh, newspaper, um, you know, they're talking about an heiress who is wedding at St. Jude's, which happens to be Emily's wedding. And then on the other side, it says the bad Elvis gang still at large. They've already robbed six local banks this year. Um, so we cut back to the chapel and we see that, uh, Tom has taken Emily to, to another room, uh, presumably to interrogate her about the, uh, the whereabouts of the bad Elvis gang. Uh, and this is where we get to really introduce uh, my favorite twist in the series. And if you haven't read the, uh, the issue yet and you're worried about spoilers, this is the time to stop listening. Uh, but if you have, uh, uh, if you're ready for spoilers or if you've already read the issue, uh, we see that uh, Tom's going to uh, take off his mask and say, uh, I'm here for more than just your fancy jewelry. Emily says, what do you want? And he says, not much, only to keep you from making the biggest mistake of your life. And we see that 
Emily actually knows who Tom is. Uh, unfortunately, we uh, cut to the rest of the Elvises and they look outside and realize, oh, the wedding, they're not the only wedding crashers uh, this time. We already have a, a squad of police cars and an ambulance circling the chapel, to which Romero says, ah, crap. And we cut to our final page of the issue uh, where we get to see Emily bringing Tom in uh, for a, a deep, passionate kiss as uh, Walt uh, tells the Elvises, get ready for a good old-fashioned ass-kicking. Uh, and that's really you know, a page-by-page -page breakdown of the first issue of Going to the Chapel. And I think it's a very interesting story um, in that you know it's about fear of commitment, and we're telling it from uh, a perspective that I think is often overlooked in pop culture. Uh, more often than not, people look at fear of commitment as being uh, a man's issue, and I th I thought by flipping the script, uh, it would be an interesting way to look at things, especially because I'm sure many of you listening would might, might agree with me. I think women have a lot more to lose and a lot more risking uh, choosing to settle down with somebody than, than a man does. Um, and on top of that, uh, a lot of my favorite uh, action heroines, you look at Sarah Connor, you look at Laurie Strode, you look at Ellen Ripley. These are the... Uh, action stars that really stand the test of time. And I wanted to make sure that I told a story that was similar to that, um, that was sort of our homage to that. Uh, you might also notice that, uh, you know, we have a very sprawling and diverse cast and that was uh, by design. I love my first book, Spencer and Locke, but if there was anything that I wish that I could have fit in was especially for our first volume was I had wished that we had fit in more cast members and more diversity and more representation. Uh, I think it's no secret that, uh, you know, we want to bring in more people to the comics industry. I look at comics almost in an existential bent. Uh, what can we do to make this environment sustainable for future generations? And I think the best way to do that is to turn non-comics readers into comics readers. So by tackling uh, an often ignored genre like romantic comedies, uh, I love superhero books just as much as the next person, but there are readers out there who capes and tights aren't their bag. And so by being able to take kind of these romantic comedy tropes, but be able to spin them in this very irreverent action packed way and combine it with a, a very dysfunctional sense of humor, similar to the Bluth family in Arrested Development, uh, which uh, eagle eyed readers might notice that Francine looks uh, a little similar uh, to, to, to Lucille Bluth. Uh, that I thought was the, kind of the best way to, to go off the beaten path a bit, but bring in as many people to the table as possible. And yeah, I feel like going to the chapel, uh, it's, it's one of those counterintuitive books. Uh, I pitched this all over town. And uh, what's great about working with a publisher like Action Lab Danger Zone is Action Lab, uh, they're all about what book seems interesting to us? Uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, listeners at home, it's uh, being able to pitch books. It's a very challenging thing. And so much of it is based on timing and so much of it is based on what other publishers are having their in, in their schedule. And sometimes uh, it's about whether or not a publisher thinks they can sell. And uh, so many great pitches get killed in the profit and loss uh, uh the profit and loss stage and action lab working with a publisher like that. Uh, they're very much in the image model. They, uh, they print comics that they think 
look interesting and they don't worry so much about a a greater uh brand image and they don't think so much about how each book necessarily fits in with the rest of the greater catalog uh so i've been very grateful to work with a, a company like action lab and i'm looking forward to telling more stories with them in the future uh, for people who are interested in what uh, else might be going on in going to the chapel, uh, you can still pre-order issues two and three uh, at your local comic shop. Our pre-order codes are uh, AUG for August, uh, 1914, uh, 1914-82 for uh, Marvel Action, Captain Marvel Artist Sweeney Boo's A cover. Uh, AUG 1914-83 for Mon House's B cover, which looks like a, an Andy Warhol uh, painting. I love it. And uh, AUG 1914-84 for Gavin Guidry's C cover. You can also pre-order issue three with the code uh, SEP for September, uh, SEP191367 for the Wilds artist Emily Pearson's A cover, uh, SEP191368 for Monhouse's B cover, which uh, looks like a wedding cake, and uh, SEP191369 for Gavin Guidry's uh, uh, Dogpile cover, uh, which is probably one of my favorite covers that he's done for the whole series. You can also follow Going to the Chapel on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Go to the Chapel. And you can follow me, uh, David Pepos, on Twitter and Instagram at Pepos D. You can also uh, subscribe to my new newsletter, Pep Talks, at bit.ly slash pepnews. Uh, this is David Pepos uh, signing off for his comic book commentary. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we hope you enjoy going to the chapel out in stores Wednesday, September 4th from Action Lab Danger Zone. Have a great day. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered by Chelsea Jacobson and mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Ew.